Amen. Good morning. If you got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to chapter 59 of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah being the most quoted Old Testament prophet of Jesus. He has the most prophecies of the coming Messiah than any other book in the Old Testament. And sometimes I think we forget, we read a lot of things in the verse, in the book of Isaiah, and we, we have a tendency, and it's not wrong, it applies to us personally, individual. But we need to remember that the majority, almost everything he's writing was spoken to the whole nation, not just an individual. And the verse we're going to read, of course, it applies to you personally. It can apply to your family. It certainly can apply to a church. But here, it is applied to the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And it can very much be applied to any nation in any generation when we look at how God deals with us. And you look right here, and Israel is at a place they're not used to. They were called of God. They were blessed. They were his special covenant people. They had seen unbelievable blessings on them as a nation. God had blessed them abundantly. But now they find themselves wondering, where is their God? Why is he not hearing us? And they're thinking the problem is God, and God's reminded them in these two verses we're going to read, and primarily through chapter 59, that the problem was not with him. As always, the problem was with them. And these verses are very familiar. When you see them, you're going you're gonna to be very familiar with them because they're preached a lot. But I want to talk to us this morning about troubled times in Judah. Troubled times in Judah. You're never more troubled as an individual, as a family, as a church, as a nation, than when God no longer listens to your prayer. He no longer looks at your problem. And this is exactly what had become of Israel. And when you read with me here, you'll recognize this passage, most every one of you. It says in verse 1 of chapter 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. The problem is not with God hearing. The problem is not with God's hand to reach down and touch and make a difference in an individual's life, to save from any situation. He says, but the problem, he says in verse 2, is your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. What a sad passage thank God when you get to the bottom of the chapter that we will get to before we get out of here it ends with the redeemer will come but folks listen today as an individual as a family as a church as a nation sin separates from God it shuts his ear. It turns his face from those who persistently rebel and transgress against him in an habitual way. And today as we look right here, we see there's troubled times. Israel 
had a tendency to keep blaming God. There's other passages throughout where they're saying, why is God not hearing us? In Isaiah 40, verse 27, Isaiah tells them again, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Sometimes I, I, I have to admit it looks as if we pray and nothing happens in America. We, we call God to send revival, to, to turn and give us godly leadership and bless the things that would help our nation turn back to him. But it's as if sometimes he's not listening. Today, as we look at this, God is bringing the truth to his people there's anything missing in America today is we've lost the truth. The truth has been distorted to the point that those who are in charge of us no longer know the basic things between a man and a woman. Who can have a baby and who cannot? Much less do they know who this God is who created it all and who sent salvation. And as we continue to take away the truth, We'll reap just what they reaped. You see, sin, Israel's predicament is that their sin had separated them from God. I want you to look at what he says about them here. He says in verse 4, I mean verse 3, your hands are defiled with bloodshed. That literally means violence. Look at what's going on in America today. We've had guns for 247 years without a problem. We were blessed with a second amendment to protect ourselves, yet now we can't protect ourselves with that which was blessed to us to protect ourselves because of things that we see going on every day. It seems like every day there's a shooting somewhere where innocent people have been killed by bloodshed and violence. That's what was going on not only now, it was like then. You don't have to have a gun, my friend, to give create bloodshed. Look at what he says about them. And your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. Friends, everywhere you look, that's what we see happening today. Look at verse 4. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and they speak lies. They conceive evil and they bring forth iniquity. That's what God's saying through Isaiah about Israel, and they're wondering why God is not hearing their prayer. He says in verse 7, their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. You say, what's the difference between sin and iniquity? Sin can just be a, a shortcoming, a, a, and you can sin and transgress and miss the mark. Iniquity is an habitual practice of doing that. Iniquity is when you sin so regular that there's guilt been placed upon your life. You see, we all sin, but we don't all practice sinning. When sin becomes iniquity, it's become more than just sin that you occasionally succumb to. It's become a practice where you have begun to be sinning all the time to the point that you become like them. God doesn't see you as a sinner who occasionally falls to the weakness of his flesh. He sees you or a people as sinful. 
We don't just have a sin problem in America. We have a problem that we have become sinful to the point that sometimes we look and we see that these very things we're going to look at are the very things we're experiencing today. Look at what he goes on and says right here. He says in verse 8, the way of peace they have not known and there is no justice in their ways. You've been watching what's going on lately with (laughs) the news. We got people who there's no justice. They do whatever they want. There's no peace in the land today, folks, if you haven't woke up and seen that yet. Look at what he goes on and says. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Guys, I don't know if you believe this or not, but you can't live in a nation that's led down the crooked paths that we are being led down on a consistent day-by-day, regular basis, totally in opposition to God, totally going away from God and experience peace, joy, blessings, and fruitfulness. And I'm here to tell you I love America. I'm thanking God for 247, and I'm hoping and praying for 248. Can I get an amen? But I'm concerned when I read this. You say, well, this trouble, Israel's predicament, what has that got to do with us? Well, friends, let me tell you something. In the book of Romans 15, 4, it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience, that's the perseverance and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And then it tells us about Israel in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, remember our fathers, our forefathers, the ones who passed through the waters, speaking of Israel, the ones who drank water from the rock, and that rock that followed them was Christ. And then he lists all of the things that they failed and how they displeased God. And because of that, there was consequences for Israel. Y'all all know what I'm talking about. And then he tells us when you get to verse 11, of chapter 10 he says now all these things happened to them Israel as examples and they were written for our ammunition upon whose the ends of the ages have come therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall guys listen we don't have an old testament God and a new testament God we have a new covenant praise God but we don't have a new God because we have a new covenant the same God of the new covenant was the God of is the God of the old covenant God does not change. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Friends, listen, God's not going to deal with people who rebel, who mistreat him, who take him lightly any different today than he did back then. And I want you to look at what he goes on and says. Does this not ring a bell? Does this not seem like it is in the days in which we live? Look at verse 9. Therefore, justice is far from us nor does righteousness overtake us. Friends, there's people that are do what there's different rules for different people. You know, we talk about oh, we have the law. We have the constitution. Well, that constitution ain't worth a piece of paper if you don't go by it. If no one has to be held accountable to it. Just like this Bible is nothing but any other book if you don't do and obey and apply it and do what it says and trust it by faith, you just soon read anything else. (coughs) And friends, today, just as in their day, there was no justice. He says, they have made themselves crooked paths. He says, therefore, justice is far from us, nor does 
righteousness overtake them. And look what he says. He says, we look for light, but there's darkness. We look for brightness, but we walk in blackness. (coughs) Isaiah said, we grope for the wall like the blind. And we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. And guys, this, I hear this at church. It reminds me sometimes of us. He says, we all growl like bears and we moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation is far from us. Guys, we've all been here when we were groaning like a dove. And we've all been together when we growled like a bear over the situation of what we live in and what we call America today. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but I like what God told Isaiah. Flip back one page, (coughs) one chapter. Look at verse 58. Chapter 58, I mean verse 1. God told Isaiah, cry out loud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Why? Because look at what he says. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness, past tense. As a nation that once was righteous. But he says, as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice when they live unjustly. They want righteousness When there's none of them looking for righteousness in their own lives. They want what they don't produce. And friends, listen. He's telling them. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. It's not that they wasn't coming to God. He says right there. They're even fasting. He says, but they're fasting for the wrong reasons. And friends, I want you to think about this. When you read the Old Testament... I mean, when you look at a summary of Isaiah's book, there's three basic things that are over and over and over. You can go and you can look it up. Spiritual blindness. He just said, we walk around in darkness. We grope the walls like someone who's blind. We can't see. We don't have spiritual insight to know what God would want us to do. If you got people running the nation and half the nation agrees with them that they don't know what a woman is anymore, that there's no difference between a man and a woman, that gender is whatever you want to be, that any lifestyle you choose to live is acceptable as an alternative way to live, and it's all okay, you are in big trouble. And we sit here. No one wants to warn. No one wants to sound the trumpet. No one wants to tell the truth. And friends, listen. He sent Isaiah. And he says they're spiritually blind. They can't even see the truth. They've lost the truth. And friends, listen. When you've lost the truth and there's no right and wrong. There's no standard of what God says is true. And there's no way to have righteousness then. And once you lose righteousness, there's no way to have justice. You see, we threw the truth away when we threw out the Bible. And then we began to lose what truth had given us when we began to not live the way we used to know to live. Because there can be no justice if there's not righteousness 
And friends, it all ends up leading to doing whatever you want, worshiping whatever you want, being your own God or what, make God whatever you want him to be. It all ends up to idolatry. And in his day, that's what characterized the people of Israel. Today, I look at America and I say, who is America's God? It'd be more accurate to say, who is America's God's? Because you can make him into who you want him to be today. And you can say he'll do whatever you want him to do. And you'll tell that's totally acceptable. But guys, all I know to tell you is when I look at how God treated Israel, and it says they're our example to admonish us so that we can learn from them how God is going to deal with us. And for those of us who think we stand, take heed, lest you fall like they did. And all these words have been written and given to us to help us the Old Testament is not some other book that you don't have to read. It's what the book that prepares you to understand the New Testament. But I want you to think about this. When I look at Israel's example, Israel's repeated sinfulness over and over and over. And then I see God's faithful deliverance. I see Israel turning from God. Israel seeking false gods. Israel living with no justice in the land. Israel spiritually blind, but I see God constantly coming to their rescue. Constantly raising up someone to be that voice in the wilderness, to call them back out of darkness, to, to help them to see the truth. And friends, the Old Testament is not a book that doesn't apply to us today. God will deal with us the same way he dealt with them when we turn from him, when we seek things that are not supposed to be in our life. Friends, listen. Troubled times were there in Israel. Look at what he goes on and says in verse 13. I mean verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 13. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. That word literally means fairness or honesty. Friends, listen, equity to treat someone fairness, there has to be impartiality. And you have to treat them honestly, fairly. That don't happen very much. The Democrats think there's this rule for them. The Republicans think it's this rule for them. The liberals think this is the truth. And the conservatives over here arguing that this is the truth. And we're divided everywhere you turn. But friends, until we get to the point that we quit saying this kind of American and this kind of American... Friends, when it comes to God, it's not about black, white. It's not about what race you are. It's about do you know him? Do you want to be made right with him? Do you want his blessings again? In our nation, it seems that our leaders are the chief proponents of division. They label us. They say, before anything, I'm proud to be a child of God, a Christian. Second on that list, though, I'm an American. Amen? And until we all own up to America's problem, America's predicament, and we realize today that troubled times have come to the United States of America just like they did Israel. 
And it's not the Democrats' problem. It's not the liberals' problem. It's not the Baptist problem or the Catholic problem. It's our problem. If we're Americans, we live in America. How God deals with America will affect every one of us. It will affect our children, our grandchildren, our future. See, we once were what we used to be because God was blessing us. He was over us. But today, we can't even secure our borders in Mexico. Do you think we're going to go fight a foreign war? We're being invaded on our own turf and no one even knows it. Friends, I don't know what you think about this. But when I look at this, I see a very close similarity to us. Where's our justice? Where's our righteousness? People are spiritually blind. They don't even realize it. They're seeking everything but God. If you seek anything more than God, that's an idol. And friends, today, we're going to get good here in a minute. But I want you to realize something. America's predicament is the same as theirs. America's predicament today is that sin has separated us from God. You can say what you want. But the church isn't even the way it used to be. I've only been a Christian 25 years and I've seen it go way away from God. I talk to older pastors. Some have gone on to be with the Lord. And they tell me what it was like when they were young preachers 50 years ago. And I hear of those days when God blessed. When people were at the altar and people were weeping and praying. And people were getting saved. And churches were growing and multiplying in the 50s, man. I mean, the church. That's when the Southern Baptist Convention was awesomely made into the great convention that it had become. Because the hand of God was upon it. Today, we're losing people faster than we get people we used to claim 15 million now we finally got honest enough to say 10 million and I guarantee you this morning you can't find half of them in the house of God friends today we need to be seriously honest we need to look at this and we need to own our problem look at what Isaiah says when Isaiah was called into this ministry it's in the sixth chapter (laughs) Isaiah was working in the temple. He was a priest. He was in the temple. He worked for the church. He was like a preacher. But he went to church one day, and it says in chapter 6, why he was there, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And Isaiah was just like everybody else. He was just going through the religious motions. He was not a bad man compared to others, but he was not a good man compared to God. He was in the house of God serving the Lord as a priest. But when he seen the Lord high and lifted up and he seen what was going on in the presence of holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And he saw those angels, those, those seraphims that were nothing there but to worship and glorify God. He looked and he says, woe is me for I am undone and I live amongst the people who are undone. He owned the problem. It's not the non-churched. It's not the non-believers only. It's not just the liberals. It's all of us. Look at these pronouns. There's a big thing about pronouns today. Did you hear that one state, if you don't use the proper pronoun, you can be arrested for a felony and put in jail now? Man, I'm in trouble. I'll go to jail quick there because I got my English all jacked up. Amen? (laughs) I do good enough to get by down here. I better not go up there. 
But I want you to notice when he begins to talk. Look at verse 11. He says, we all growl like bears. And moan like dough. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation is far from us. You know why he felt like God wasn't hearing their prayer? And he wasn't. How God wasn't looking upon their problems because he wasn't. He says in verse 12, for our transgressions are multiplied before you, God. Not their transgressions, ours. Mine, the deacon, the church member. If we're honest, if we seen God like Isaiah, we'd say, woe is me too. Amen. For I'm undone. I think we forgot that God is holy and righteous and just. Look at what he goes on and says. He says, our sins testify against us. Now, this is how God sees us. You see, he says, our transgressions are multiplied before you, God, and our sins testify to you against us. Our transgressions are with us. For as our iniquities, we know them. And look at what he says. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God. Friends, listen, you don't have to be a drug addict. You don't have to be a practicing homosexual to forsake and depart from your God. You can be a good, average American looking at TV, sitting in your big, nice house, making your 40-hour job, preparing for your retirement, and never seek the Lord. Totally consumed with this life and the material things. And Jesus said, what does it profit a man to get everything that the world has to offer? And no country offers the things of the world more than this country. And that's what we're seeking. That's what we're after. Everything but him. And then when it don't work the way we thought, where are you at, God? Won't you do something with that liberal bunch? Won't you fix Washington? Friends, the problem's not only with the White House. The problem is also with the church house. As it was in their day, it is in our day. And I'm preaching to the preacher. He says right there, Speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. For truth fails and he, he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it. Now this is what I want you to see. It says right here, they're saying in verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is your ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities, your habitual sinfulness has separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. But it doesn't mean that God's not seeing us. We may not be seeing him. We may not see in salvations and churches grow and prosperous evangelical efforts happening where our neighbors are getting saved and we're making a dent in the society and culture is being invaded with the gospel. But God is seeing us. And he says right there, then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. What do you think God thinks of the DOJ, the director of justice? If it is involved with what some of this stuff looks like it has been involved in. We treat these people this way. 
and we treat you this way. We let him out of jail. We bless him, but we put you in jail. We subpoena him, but we don't even mess with him. You think God's going to bless that? You see, it may be fooling themselves. They may be fooling one another. They may be fooling half of America, but they ain't fooling God. Every lie they tell, every injustice they permit, everything they do is piling up and piling up and piling up. They can say, I'm Catholic. (laughs) I go to Mass like some of them do. They can even say, I'm Baptist. I've been baptized. But if they are not pleasing the Lord, if we're not seeking Him, if we're not worshiping Him, we need help today. And we need to do what it takes. You see, the good news in this, if you keep reading it, He says right there, if you read with me. It says in verse 16, and this is where we got to get, friends, there's no vote going to fix this. There's no politician going to change this. There's only one person who can change what's going on. His name is Jesus. It's beyond men's ability. And that's what God saw here. Look at what he says. He says, he saw there was no man. Look at verse 16. God saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Friend, there's nobody to intercede for us, it seems. Could you agree with me? Who's going to intercede for us? Who's going to change the course that America has went down? What man among us is even going to stand up for the truth? Who's going to bring justice back to the land so that we can have righteousness again? Well, friends, I want you to look and see what he says. It says, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. It says, therefore, his own arm, that's what I meant to say, he saw that there was no man. He wondered that there was no intercessor. Here it is. He's starting to talk about the Messiah. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. See, God brought salvation for us because we couldn't. And guys, it's fixing to get good. You're fixing to be able to amen. I know you're quiet and you ought to be. Anybody who says, I love that message, you don't know if you listened. But I want you to see this part you can love. It says, according to their deeds, verse 18, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. The coast plans he will fully repay. God's going to get back everyone who is opposed and in rebellion to him, guys. But look at what he says. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west. And his glory from the rising of the sun. That's speaking of the coming of the Lord. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Who is that standard? His name is Jesus. He's known as the Redeemer. And friends, look at what he says right here. This is the good news. To them, the Redeemer was coming. But to us, the Redeemer has come. The answer is not in a man. It's not in a political system or a government. The only hope is in us who know the Lord, who are not spiritually blind, who see the truth, who embrace the truth, who want to glorify the truth and bring righteousness into the land so that there can be justice. we got to repent from our sins. 
If we're just going to stay like we are, we got to start. And we need to return to Jesus. I want to ask you this morning. You don't have to raise your hand or come forward. <laughs> but as you as close today to Jesus, you were the day you got saved. Do you walk with Jesus the way you have in the past? If there's ever been a time when you were closer to Jesus, you were more right with Jesus. Jesus was more on you than the day you need to repent. Your religion doesn't impress him. Your Sunday attendance doesn't get his ear, nor does it get his attention. Because theirs didn't. If you go to chapter 1, it starts out, God lets them know. That not only was he not impressed with their religious activity, he was sickened by it. You see, when we come in here and we worship him with our lips, we praise him with our lips, and we honor him with our mouths, but our hearts are far from him, Jesus said, in vain we worship him. If we come in here today with things that we would be embarrassed to tell our spouse or our children, can you imagine how embarrassed it would be to tell it to God? But we live that way and we consistently stay that way. And we think it's not affecting us. Friends, sin affects us with God. Sin will keep you from hearing from God and God from hearing you. I don't make this stuff up. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Did you hear that? If we regard sin in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. Listen to what he tells them. Isaiah chapter 1, he gives them the vision. And it says, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he said concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He says, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. If there's ever been a nation that God nourished and brought up, it's America. And friends, listen to what he says. At last, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backwards. And he says, why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. And he goes on. And he, he gets to here. He says, to what? Look at verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? That was their worship system. They went every Sabbath and gave a sacrifice. They went to all the high holidays and they gave a sacrifice. Why? Because they were looking to the Redeemer. That sacrifice was a picture of the coming sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he says, I have had enough of your burnt offerings and rams and the fat of your fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more of your futile sacrifices, your incense as an abomination to me, the new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Friends, you come in here full of sin every week. Practice it. Keep doing it. Never, ever repent. Never, ever say, Lord, help me. Never, ever worry about it. Think it's just grace. You're going to live a life you don't want to live. And look at what he says there. Your new moons and your appointed feasts. That was their high holidays, their Easter's, their, their Christmases. God said, my soul hates it. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands... 
I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourself. Make yourself clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. That would be an unborn baby, I bet. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Guys, listen. The Redeemer has come. God wants to bless America again, just like he wanted to bless Israel again. But you can't just keep living, doing things that the way they are. We think it's just going to all go away. It is all going to go away, America as we know it, just like Israel all went away. Have you ever thought about the Jews? They're God's chosen people. He's got an Old Testament covenant promise that they'll still be on earth when he comes back for the second coming. He was here for the first. They missed it. He's still keeping his promise to their rebellious, stiff-necked, hardened hearts because he's their Messiah. He's going to come back a second time. And friends, the Israel's still going to be here. If there's a piece of real estate that I can promise you you can move to and be safe, it's Jerusalem. You may suffer in Jerusalem, but Jerusalem ain't going nowhere. To the dismay of the United Nations, Israel's here to stay. They won't leave the land again. They got it back in 48, and they're coming in groves. And yes, they don't want them rebuilding. They don't want them growing. There's all kind of turmoil over it. But that's their land. God gave it to them. They're God's chosen people, Old Testament, just like we're God's chosen people, New Testament, in church through Jesus. And God wants to bless America again, just like he blessed them at one time, just like he blessed them. The question is, not does he want to bless America, will we let him? Will we let him? You see, we can't keep looking at stuff we've grown accustomed to looking at and doing things that we've gotten used to doing and being lazy and not doing the things we've got used not to doing. It's not enough just to come to church. We are to be the church. It's not enough just to say, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. Yeah, you might be going to heaven, but we're to be praying and doing all we can to pray that as it is in heaven, may it be this way here on earth. And we may be going forward with the gospel. Everywhere I look, people are lost and dying without the Redeemer. Without Jesus. When you look at the end of chapter 59, he says, The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from their transgression in Jacob. Did you see that? The Redeemer will come to Zion. He's already came. And to those who turn from their transgressions in Jacob, says the Lord. Look at what he said. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants, descendants, says the Lord from this time and forevermore. That's when he comes back the second time. I don't know about y'all, I'm looking forward to him coming back, but between that and now, what's going to happen to America? I thank God for 247, but there is no promise of a 248. And friends, if we're honest, the older you get, physically, the weaker you get. (laughs) 
I just turned 60, Colonel. I no longer have a right and a left knee. Now I got a good knee and a bad knee. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I told Diane, man, I went to get this fixed, and now I found out something else. It's like if you bring your car to Richard to tell him this ain't working, he'll tell you five other things that's fixing to not be working. You see, the older we get, we don't get stronger. Why? Because of the weakness of this sinful flesh. It's cursed. And you can study history, friends. Nations don't just continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger throughout human history. Every nation hits a peak and then it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. The reality is we all need a strength beyond ourselves. His name is Jesus. Y'all know it. We know it. But they don't know it. The greatest thing you could ever do for 4th of July is to fix a big table, get a bunch of lost people there, and before they eat the hamburger, pray the most evangelistic blessing over the food you ever prayed. And once you get them eating while they can't go nowhere, start telling them about Jesus. Start inviting your neighbor. Go pick them up, bring them. We got to do our part if we want to see God do his. A God, can he change America? Yes, he can. But he's going to have to change us. We're complacent. We're far too content with the way it is in our part of America to make God hear our prayer and go change the other part. I admit the other part's messed up, but if I'm honest, there's some stuff in my part that ain't right. Amen? This morning we have grace. There's an altar you can come to now in your hour of need, and you can receive grace if you'll just come and confess. Jesus promises us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That means we can get dirty. We can get spiritually unclean. We can get away from our God. And friends, there's nothing better than when you're right with Jesus and you're walking in his presence and his hand of favor is upon you. America at one time was invincible because God had our back. Does he have our back today? Let's lay our face at his feet this morning and let's ask him to start with me and my family and your family in this church. I've preached. I don't know what else to tell you but what God put on my heart. If you look around, troubled times had come to Israel. Troubled times have come to America. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Our sins or all nothing in his grace if you'll give it to him. This morning I'm going to ask you if you need to do business with Jesus to do that. If you've never been saved, he'll save you. He'll forgive you. His cross is sufficient. His death paid the price you can't pay. Probably the greatest chapter in Isaiah is 53 where it says by his wounds we are healed. That his sacrifice paid the price we couldn't pay. And it pleased the Father to punish him for us so that we can be forgiven. He's calling people today. He's working. He's not quit. He looks to America just like he looked to Israel. Do y'all remember what Jesus said when he came the first time? He came to save Israel. And he looked at them. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I wanted to gather you like an old mother hen gathers her chicks. But you were not willing. Today, if America falls, it won't be God's place. It'll be because we chose 
to live the way we want instead of his. Would you stand as we pray? Father in heaven, I thank you for the privilege to be a child of God, to have the hope of heaven. I thank you that my citizenship is not here, that, Lord, we have a home, a home in heaven prepared by you. But, Lord, you tell us that you are coming back, that you're not through. And that, Lord, when you do come back, you're going to set things right here. And, Lord, I pray that as we approach that coming day, the coming of the Lord, that, Lord, we would take it into account that we have many, many friends, neighbors, fellow Americans who are not ready. And, Lord, I thank you for America, a place where we can still preach, where we can still gather, where we still have religious freedom to share and tell others about the Lord. Help us before we lose even more to take advantage of those privileges given to us by our God. Thank you for America. Thank you for the Constitution. Thank you, Lord, for all those rights that we have as Americans. But more than anything, I thank you for the liberty, the freedom that we have in Christ. And I pray we'd use it for your good to do your work. Help us today, Lord. If there's a lost person in our midst, help him to see that he needs to be saved. Help him to come forward and trust you today and make public his need for Christ. Be baptized, join a church, serve you, be a witness for you. And Lord, for everybody else here, God, including me, help us, Lord, to leave this place better than when we came. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.